Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsoring partner, the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. CBME is a national membership network that's built a vibrant community of over 5,700 members and more than 2,700 organizations that's been working together over the past decade to build beloved communities across America where black men and boys are healthy, thriving, and enabled to achieve their fullest potential. If you're interested in learning more, Hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash partners and consider joining the membership or donating to help them scale the impact of this growing field of black male achievement. You're listening to the trailblazers.fm podcast, where we'll explore the stories of today's successful black professionals, entrepreneurs, and leaders. Join us to access the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished professionals and come away with the know-how, confidence, and motivation you'll need to blaze your trail. And now here's your host, Stephen A. Hart. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Trailblazers.fm podcast. I'm your host, Steve Nehart. If this is your first time tuning in, just want to say welcome and big ups. I'm honored to have you here. We just wrapped up an amazing Summer Masterclass series. It's the first time that we're doing a full month of the series. I kind of tested that option last summer to give myself a break in the summer months from doing interviews. And it provided you, our listeners, which I affectionately call our Blazer Nation community, gave you an opportunity to hear from some of our past guests, folks like Chaz Scott, Conceita Thomas, Sean Dove, Henry Kukula, and Craig the Barber. And each of these five past featured trailblazers came back on the show and shared so much gems with us. If you missed it, I highly encourage you to go back and binge on those five episodes. Chaz Scott reminded us to get in the right mindset, to write down the things we want in our life, and and to be grateful for the things that we actually have. Conceita talked to us about not betting on later with our health and fitness. One of my favorite quotes from our first episode was, you know, don't bet on later. When we bet on later, everyone loses. Sean, Sean Dove reminded us that as leaders, We've got a calling on our lives and that the right calling is what will lead us to the right people, the right places, and the right projects. Henry talked to us and shared some tips for our entrepreneurs and our startup heads, right, on how we can position ourselves and pitch our businesses for capital. And Craig DeBarba, my brethren, hit a home run to close out the series, reminding us of getting clear on our why. And he encouraged us to get clear on why we're passionate about what we're passionate about. And these five episodes were just a breath of fresh air again, allowed me a break from interviews this summer, which gave me time to get acclimated. I just started a new job back in May. I was able to spend some time with family and most importantly, get clarity on where I want this platform to go. We are fast approaching a big milestone in this week here where we'll hit 250,000 downloads of the podcast. And by about November of this year, we're going to hit our 200th episode. So, you know, some really amazing things have happened from this platform that started from nothing. And I'm just so blessed and encouraged about the next chapter. And I look forward to sharing more of that with you guys as we move into the fall. But I'm so excited for us to get back to some interviews. Honestly, didn't plan it this way initially. But the next two episodes, this episode here and the one next week, 
happen to be two people who are best friends in real life. Amazing how God works that out for the good of our community. <laughs> but today I'm sharing in a conversation I literally recorded just a couple of days ago before we published this episode and hadn't done an interview in over 10 weeks. But my guest today is Miss Rochelle Gapier. She made it so very easy and it was just such an inspiring episode for me in a number of ways that I thought it would be a great way for us to get back into it. So Rochelle's a lawyer. She's a happiness coach. She's a fellow Jamaican. This is her first time actually engaging and talking on the phone. Actually, we did a Zoom call and, you know, we've been in a very close circle with a lot of close ties in terms of our family and friends, which we get into a bit in the call. So do me a favor, grab a pad and a pen or open your favorite note-taking app and let's get set to receive some motivational mission fuel from our featured guest today. Miss Rochelle Gapier. Hello, Rochelle. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm excited to finally have this conversation with you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> It's been a while. It's been a long time coming. So I'm happy yes. you finally got on the same page, right? Yes, absolutely. For everyone listening, I first saw Rochelle on a coffee table of my sister's house about a year ago and got into your book. And we'll talk a bit more about that in our conversation. But I got probably oh into reading your book and I was just like, man, I need to talk to this lady and have her on the pod. And it's finally happening almost a year later, which is pretty exciting. So love to kick off all our conversations from a place of gratitude. And having watched so many IG stories, I know you're a grateful woman. So I wanted to ask you right up front, what is an unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your life right now? Well, unexpected. I think just this journey, like this last year of my life has absolutely blown my mind. I didn't imagine the magnitude of how closed door could propel me into my purpose. Mm. And so each day I awaken and I'm just in awe that my life has come to this place. And being on this podcast is a testament to how a closed door like totally opened up Mm. a new avenue of joy in my life. And it has just been such an incredible blessing. And I don't think I imagined how that season where a door was closed would have taken me here. So I'm always in Wow, that's amazing. I love that. So no surprise to everyone listening. Rochelle is, her accent is unfiltered, unlike my sometimes <laughs> twanging 26-year-old accent that mashup now. But we both grew up in Jamaica. You're in Florida now, yes? Yes, I live in Miami. I've lived there since 2002. Really? Yeah. But wow. I was in Nashville first. Really? You're in Nashville? Yeah, for four years, actually, as a Nashville nice. undergrad. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. One of my favorite guests on this podcast is in Nashville, Mignon oh, nice. Francois of the Cupcake Collection. Next time you're in Nashville, yeah, I forgot to check her. I will. And I go there all the time because I have family there still. So oh, it's, nice. It's often, yeah. That's awesome. So where'd you go to school in Jamaica? So I went to St. Andrew Prep, and then I went to Campion. And after I left Campion, I, I came to Nashville to go to Tennessee State. So yeah, I'm a St. Andrew Prep girl. I campionite. You know, I really loved my campion high school experience. Sometimes I think back to that time and I'm like, oh, I would absolutely do high school again. Yeah. They're like, no, I would never go back to that time in my life. I'm like, I would gladly go back. So I have some really good memories of high school. So did you know Steph 
So I kind of was introduced to you through my sister, Stephanie. Yes. Um, were you guys kind of pairs in high school? We were pairs. And it's interesting how, you know, as we grow older, people who have known, like, you know, from our younger days. Yeah. We just kind of vibrated on the same level. And now we have mutual friends. Yeah. So one of her best friends, Jody, is married yeah. to my best friend, Marvin. Yes. And, you know, I always tell people, you have to treat people well, because literally we say six degrees of separation. For real. Like two. Yeah. <laughs> So I definitely am more in contact with Stephanie now than I was growing up in high school when I first, you know, came in contact with her. But That's she's lovely. Good it was, it was crazy when I realized your connection to Marvin and realized you guys were BFFs because Jody's one of the few people. Jody was probably the youngest in her crew. Oh, and yes. the only person that got me and Stephanie to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with her. I did that too. Skydiving. Skydived with Jody. It was one of the most <laughs> exhilarating experiences of my life. And I don't want to do it again. Yeah. I can't with kids now. It will avoid health and life insurance. I know. <laughs> and dying. I don't have any children <laughs> yet. I think yeah. Steph did it again. Oh, she did it again? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've only done it once and I definitely want to do it again for sure. Do it again, for sure. Don't question it. Love it. So... What do you, thinking back to, we grew up in Kingston in the 90s, thinking back, you know, what do you remember most about growing up in that time? I just remember feeling like anything I wanted to do was possible. Yeah. I just remember just being absolutely fearless and that my dreams were so huge and there was no no, you know, and I I remember just operating from a place of, okay, if I work hard enough, I could do anything I want. And I don't even think any of my dreams seemed unattainable at that time. I knew I wanted to be an attorney from a really young age. Really? And I just had this very clear path of, okay, I just need to go to undergrad and I'm going to apply for law school. So I just felt really, really like sure about what my quote unquote purpose was in life, which is funny because most people aren't as clear as I was when I was so young. It was when I got older where I started having the doubt, the confusion, what next. So I, you know, I guess I'm the reverse. It was just such a good time. I'm an only child. My mom was just extremely loving. My dad passed when I was younger. She did her best to expose me to everything. I did a multitude of activities. I traveled a lot. I had a really good group of friends. So it was just a really good time in my life where I just felt extremely confident and loved and secure and just really sure and, you know, optimistic about what life could be for me. Mm. So now we understand the connection with you and Marvin being buddies. Love of travel. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. 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 And by the way, I actually interviewed Marvin for the podcast. So oh, nice. I need to line this up where you guys are one, two. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Marvin is my travel buddy. We have gone to a couple countries together and we've had a lot of fun. Yeah. So yes. Traveling brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. I, I enjoy times when I'm with Marvin. The couple of times we've been able to hang out, it's been nonstop. It has really energy. good energy, right? The energy is unbelievable. Yes. It's amazing. Excellent energy. So to bring me back here. You talked about knowing from an early age that you kind of wanted to do law, right? Mm-hmm. Was that something that was in your family? Like, did you have any lawyers growing up in the family? Or were you the first? No, no, no. So I had an uncle and an aunt who were attorneys and they loved what they did. So I mm-hmm. saw them, but they also lived abroad. But the majority of my family members, they were doing medicine. So yeah, so they were doctors and 
typical Jamaican vibe, lawyer, doctor. Yeah, but it's interesting because my family told me I could do whatever made me happy. But there was never this expectation that I had to be an attorney or I had to be a doctor or I had to be a pilot. It was just something that I wanted to do. And even in my yearbook, my it literally says, oh, Rochelle is going to win cases by dancing for the judge. Really? It was so funny. So, yeah, I don't remember a time wanting to do anything else until I got to law school. And then I thought, no, this is absolutely not for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So I spent my whole life thinking I wanted to be an attorney, got to law school and then thought, mm, no, I don't think this is it. But you carried through. I carried it through because I was 21 years old and I didn't even know what else I could do. Mm-hmm. And then it's also that Jamaican, I guess, mindset that if you start something, you have to yeah, finish, finish it and you have to do it well. Like there's no dropping out of law school to just go travel around and figure out what it is that I wanted to the next. So yeah, when I got to law school, that was the first time I felt unsettled about what it is I really wanted. And so I followed it through. And to rewind, I actually worked with my aunt in her law firm because I graduated a semester early. And it was through working with her, I started having a little bit of clarity about big law firm practice and people's unhappiness. And everybody in the firm just looked so unhappy or they were working all these hours. And for me, when I envisioned the life that I wanted, I wanted work-life balance. And I didn't really say that. So at least I went into law school knowing that I didn't want to the big, big law practice. So right. I need to like figure out, okay, what kind of law can I do that would melt, you know, like mesh well right. my personality and the quality of life that, you know, I imagined that I would have wanted. So you're practicing today? Yes. So I still practice. I practice healthcare law. Hopefully this will be the last couple of years I will practice <laughs> law. I am hoping that I will go into happiness coaching. I'm not yes. hoping. I am going to go into Claim it. That's right. The positive <laughs> Yes, that is my big audacious goal. So within the next two to three years, I plan to be just doing motivational speaking, writing books, happiness coaching full time. Yes, I absolutely love that. And you just touched on something that I tell everybody to do as a brand strategist is making sure you are super clear on your, what I call your big, hairy, audacious goals. Yes. And you just touched on that and I love it. I know your other BFF is a big vision believer, right? Listen, Uh, the Bible tells us, write the vision, make it plain. And if you don't know where you're going, you'll just, you know, be going all all over the place. And it doesn't mean that you always know what you're, what you're going to do or the next steps to take. But if you have a overarching theme or feeling that you want for your life, then you know you move in that direction. So for me, I always knew that work-life balance was important. So that any job or any career opportunities, I always had that at the back of my mind because mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to work 90 hours and then be unhappy. Yeah. So, you know, it's what aligns with your values, truly. Right. Absolutely. You touched on the fact that your dad had passed at an earlier stage and you're with mom. Do you have siblings? No, you I'm only child. child. Only so child. Was there any sacrifices that, you know, you and mom kind of had to make to kind of get you through law school? You know what? Not really. So I took out law school loans. Some of it was paid for, but I took out law school loans to cover the rest. My undergrad was completely taken care of. So that was good. So yeah, I had law school loans. And I don't know if I even thought at that time, like, I didn't think that finances then 
would have prohibited me because I was so determined that I was going to go to law school that no matter what, I would have found the money. Mm. I would have. Just that not. was how committed I was to becoming an attorney. It was a dream that I had and I knew I had to fulfill it. And so I don't even know, maybe my mom in the back of her mind, probably as a provider parent, thought about that stuff. But I just remember I had tunnel vision. It was take the LSAT, apply for law school, you're going. It was no other way out of that. Wow. Yeah. And having to do it all over again, would you still go on that same path? No. I wouldn't have gone to law school. Yeah. I would have gotten an MBA. I think it would have served me better. And now doing what I'm doing in this season of my life, I think having a business degree would have been better. And I think I probably would have done marketing in undergrad. I did psychology. I probably would have done marketing and yeah, like a marketing journalism degree. Yeah. 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 But there are no mistakes. That's exactly where I was going with it. No mistakes. There really aren't. Everything kind of mash up in the perfect way for your tribe, your followers to be able to connect with you in the way that they are right now. And you know what? I will even say being an attorney completely gives my happiness coaching practice footing and grounding. Because when I tell people I'm a happiness coach, it seems very flighty. Oh, what? Happiness coach? Then it's, oh, I'm an attorney who does this. Oh, all of a sudden. And (laughs) even recently, I got an award from the Florida Bar. Really? A quality of life award. Yeah. For being instrumental in shaping the legal, the bar, helping attorneys, you know, focus on their quality of life. Yeah. And their well-being and introducing mindfulness practices to different companies. So, something. How is, because we had on Thandeka Mayani on the podcast talking about self-care amongst doctors mm-hmm. a couple months ago. You have to imagine that amongst lawyers, kind of you touched on this a bit ago, but I can't help but think there's a need for more focus around self-care and, and mental Absolutely. health amongst attorneys. Absolutely. So attorneys have one of the highest suicide rates of any professional. And it's not hard to believe because attorneys typically are very driven. It's a very competitive environment. So you're always on, you're always thinking. And so for the most part, if you're always working, then you are not spending time with your loved ones. And yes, you may be making money to support your lifestyle, but at the expense of spending time with friends, family, which is a social connection piece, which typically keeps us grounded, you know, and just working themselves into a pulp, just working that constant working, not taking the time to work out, not taking the time to eat well or eat healthily. And so the combination of that causes them to have very, very high stress levels. And then because we are tasked with always solving other people's problems, we typically don't tell people that we have problems. Mm. We're the people who fix this stuff. So how could we ever say we don't have it figured out? Yeah. Right? So, so many attorneys suffer in silence because they don't have an outlet. They're not going to talk to the coworker or the partner about what's happening because everybody's thinking, come, we need to just bill and make this money. So yeah, you know, as more attorneys talk about their time that they carve out for self-care, meditation, going to yoga, you see it's becoming something that's more discussed, but before it was almost taboo. Mm, Yeah. So we can come back to that in a second, because we'll talk about some of that, how we can address some of that. But I'm talking to you on video. Yes, (laughs) my book. And this book here that 
you've written is titled One Happy Thought at a Time, 30 Days to Happier You. Tell me what inspired you to write this book. Oh, wow. So really my life, my life, it was a season where I have always been a happy person, very optimistic, you know, my happiness levels on the happiness scale of one to 10, typically eight, nine, 10. I've been fortunate, right? And so it was almost like the perfect storm. I'd gotten to a point in my life where I knew I wanted more. I'd been practicing law for over 10 years at that time. And I kept asking the question, there has to be more. What is my purpose? There has to be more. I see other people waking up excited about their careers. I mean, I didn't hate my career, but it wasn't what woke me up in the morning, bouncing out to the bed, you know, trying to solve problems, right? And so at the same time, I was in a long-term relationship and the long-term relationship ended. I was with the person for five years. I thought that was the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. So it was the perfect storm, as I said, the questioning what's next the relationship ending, and then I was forced to get still. But during that period, I remember I would see people who knew me and the guy I was dating, and they would know, they heard that we had broken up, and they all had this pity towards me. Oh, are you okay? How are you doing? And, you know, I was just really like taken aback. I appreciated the concern. But for the most part, I said to them, gratitude, listen, one area of my life being bad doesn't mean my entire life is bad. I have my health. I have my family. I have my friends. I still have a job. I woke up this morning. My heart beats. But as I would go along and I tell people this, they would say to me, wow, you have a refreshing perspective. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem so refreshing to me because that was my go-to. Gratitude is always my go-to in any season, in any disappointment. Gratitude is what keeps me going. So as I'm going along and people are saying that to me, I have an aha moment. I need to write a book about this. Mm. I always knew I was going to write a book. I just never knew about what. And I love to read. I'm one of the few people who still has a library card. I go to the library all the time and get books, right? So it was, ta-da, started writing the book. And it really happened organically because I was just posting quotes on social media. And at that time, those quotes that I was posting were also to encourage myself. Mm. And then I took those quotes and I just built the book around it. Wow. Yeah. 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 It has just taken on a life of its own. Every single day I get a message from somebody saying how the book changed your lives or, you know, they reference things in the book. Sometimes I say, did I even write that? And then I go back in the book and I read it and I use it for myself also. Yeah. There are days when I feel like, okay, I'm off kilter and I need to pick me up and I pull the book out, flip yeah. to a page and it re- you know, it reaffirms me and gets me going. It's the perfect bedside or coffee table, you know, book. It's light. It's not, you know, it's not heavy. Somebody can pick this up and read through a day or several. Yes. And like I said earlier in the call, you know, I was at my sister's house at Stephanie's house visiting when she just had her baby. Yes. I was hanging out with my little guy, Dax, and, you know, stumbled on the book. And I just love what you've put in here and so encouraged by you. So anyone looking for inspiration, anyone looking for, you know, just that gratitude, right? To help you re-anchor and refocus. A little pick-me-up. Um, a little pick-me-up. I call it a little happiness nugget. Yeah. Yes. Love it. It helps you to reprioritize where you should really be putting focus. 
And you know what? Also in the book, I share my stories, but I also share stories from other people. I think what it does, it shows people that we're all on this journey and that we all have the hurdles and the obstacles. And so I think in the book, each person can identify themselves in one of those stories. I think that, you know, in life, when you realize that you're not the only one going through your season and not only are you not the only one going through your season, you are not the only one who have gone through this, but other people have gone through it. And And survived. Yes. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So was hoping that, you know, we could kind of touch because trailblazers, obviously we have so many business professionals and entrepreneurs and leaders that, you know, are always looking for insight, knowledge and gems, right? So I thought we could maybe focus on workplace just a little bit as it relates to what you have here. So maybe if you could share some gems on how happiness impacts workplace productivity and why employers should look to make employee well-being a priority. Well, for one, at the end of the day, most businesses are successful because of their employees, right? Absolutely. And so the happier a person is, the more loyal they'll be to the business and it will be the lower the turnover will be. Mm -hmm. Because let's just use you as an example, for instance, if you go to work every day and you feel valued and you feel that your voice is being heard, that you have a safe space to articulate your concerns, you want to be there. Yeah. You have a more vested interest in showing up every day for your employer. Wow, Rochelle, you just hit me over the head because before we got into this conversation, I probably geeked on you for about five, 10 minutes, right? About yes. my new job and just how excited and energized I am in this new opportunity, right? And I'm thinking about it, as you said that just now, I just had this uh-huh. Like, uh-huh moment. moment where yes. I realized like I was not nearly as productive leaving my last employer, not because I'm lazy. You're probably doing the bare minimum. I was doing the bare minimum to get by because my energy just wasn't there. It had left the room. But in this space, in this new you know, environment, the people I'm working with, the work that I'm doing has just given me new life. Exactly. And, and I am so much more productive as a result. Exactly. So you go there and one, you're more productive, but also I think employers need to remember that your employees are human beings and they're going through their own, whatever it is at home, whatever it is, the commute is two hours, whatever they had to deal with. So even just on a human level, it's just implementing kindness practices into the workplace. Are you telling people good morning? Do you have a happy birthday list? Bring in donuts. You know, people just want to feel a valued scene. Right. And so it's not really rocket science, you know, open up the floor or have a suggestion box. Mm -hmm. Let them feel that their opinions are also valid in that space. And so I think a lot of times employers, supervisors will have an idea of how they believe things should be going. Mm -hmm. But the people on the floor and the people doing the day-to-day operations, they know the intricate details because it's one thing to do things in theory. It's another thing to see it in practice, but we're not communicating. When was the last time? And you have to take the ego out of it. As When I go to companies, I tell higher management, take the out of it. It's not about you. When an employee comes and says, maybe we could implement this system. It could save us money. Take the ego out of it. Let people feel equipped to come up with solutions also. And when they do, 
celebrate them yeah. so they could keep coming up with ideas and solutions yeah. and they will want to stay because each time an employee leaves your business, you have to train somebody else. Yeah. You have to send out a search team to look for somebody. You have to do interviews. It's the time that you're taking away from being able to get the job done. So it's mm-hmm. in your best interest to keep them engaged and to keep them there, present. Right. Literally Absolutely. and figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. You talked in the book about your own life challenges and how you bounced back from them. You kind of touched on this a bit ago. Maybe give us some tips on how to bounce back from disappointments. Okay. I will say the most powerful question, I think, when going through a disappointing season is what is this here to teach me? Mm. What is this here to teach you? Because sometimes we get so caught up on the disappointment and the wallowing in the self-pity. But the minute you transform your brain into an action-oriented mindset and how could you become better for Mm -hmm. having gone through this, Mm -hmm. you know, you are empowered because now you realize that you're just not a victim anymore. You're not allowing life to just happen to you. Now you're happening to life. So what is this here to teach me? Maybe I needed to pay closer attention to red flags. What is this here to teach me? Maybe I needed to learn more. Maybe I need to become more well-equipped or well-versed in this area of law or in this new engineering technique or whatever it is, whatever skill set it is. But the longer you stay dwelling on the obstacle, it is the longer it will take you to move forward. So I always say disappointments are inevitable. They are. You know, it's a part of life. How would you grow if everything went your way? So you build up the emotional resiliency to become better by tapping into what is this here to teach me? You could read books about people who have probably had similar situations to as you're going through. Right now, we're in like an information overload period in history. Anything you want is right at your fingertips. Yeah. Google. E-Google. Google the answer. Go to therapy. A lot of people are so scared to go to therapy or to coaching or to seek help. That's why we have licensed professionals to train you through seasons. You don't have to suffer in silence. If you don't feel like telling your friends or telling your wife or telling your husband, you could go to a therapist or a coach and it will be confidential and they are trained to help you through whatever season. Vulnerability is bravery. Mm-hmm. And I always say you can't fix what you don't confront. Mm. And I think a lot of times- Say that again. Mm. You can't fix what you don't confront. Wow. And a lot of times disappointments and quote unquote failure mm-hmm. are there to wake us up, to wake us up in our lives and say, okay, no, you need to, or you can be better, mm-hmm. but you choose. I think about what you're saying, right? And I can see the application maybe in the case where, as you shared, you had a relationship, a long-term relationship end or That loss could even be you lose a job that you've had for a long period of time. I think immediately of two very close friends who, in one scenario, it was a parent. In the other scenario, it was a spouse. Okay. Was murdered in both instances, right? And I think of those people because in that type of lost situation, it's somebody so near and dear that in both cases, they are now in a happy place. But that in-between was just so rough, you know? What's your advice to somebody kind of experiencing that type of grief, right? Like, how do you say, hey, you know, 
find a happy place because it don't always look or feel like it going to be anywhere near happy for a good long time, if ever, when you first experience that kind of loss. Absolutely. So I believe as a human being, you have to go through every single emotion across the, you know, the spectrum. And so you give yourself time to mourn, to think that you could lose somebody who is the love of your life and you're just going to jump up and be joyful. That's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. You have to give yourself time to mourn. But also in the morning, I still think you tap into gratitude because you had them. Mm -hmm. For that period of time, you had them. And so you could then decide what are you going to do to celebrate their legacy? How would they want you to live? Would they want you to die alongside them or would they want you to thrive? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why perspective is everything. And so people die every day, you know, and it's sad. It's really sad. And none of us know when we are going to die. Mm-hmm. So I also think death has a way of waking us up to realize how fragile life is yeah. and that while we are here, that we have to maximize every single day because none of us every know the day or the minute. hour. Yeah, yeah. they know so, if you're going to be here to the end of the day. Yeah, you know, option B by Sheryl Sandberg. Her husband died tragically on a vacation. Mm. And she said when option A doesn't work, which is the picture that you thought, the husband that you thought growing old with you, you know, the husband that died or the wife that died from cancer, you now have to figure out what your option B looks like. Mm. And you may have to figure out what option C looks like because it's true. Life will throw us monkey wrenches. You would hope that option A works perfectly every time, but unfortunately that's not the case. But you just have to build the emotional resilience that yes, bad things happen to good people all the time, Mm -hmm. but are you going to dwell in that space forever? Or are you going to carry on the legacy of the loved one who you lost and live in a way that would honor them? Do the things for them that they were unable to do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whether you know you wake up every day with passion, you knew the person loved to run, you start running, whatever it is to keep their legacy going, you mm-hmm. know, so you could still feel that connection. I lost a little cousin to gun violence in 2015, mm-hmm. and it rocked my family to the core. He was only 28 years old. Wow. Yeah. But each day when I think about him, I remember him and I think, well, Craig would want me to live. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know he would want me to dance and listen to music because he was a musician. Mm. So each time I dance and I listen to music, I'm like, wow, Craig would have loved this, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's something that I literally recently went through. So I know. Mm. Wow. You touched on the gratitude practice on a daily basis, but are there any other tactics or strategies that you encourage people to do on a daily basis as a kind of a habits to build up to help? with that happiness practice? So I absolutely believe that the first couple minutes of your day sets the entire tone for your day. So many of us are waking up and rolling over and picking up our phones, looking on our email, looking on Facebook. We're allowing people's messaging and energy to come into our environment before Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves to set the tone for a day. So I'm very, 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 very particular about one, waking up, Three new things that you're grateful for every day. People say, how am I going to find three new things? You can. You could start by just thanking for the things in your body, your nose, your taste, your cells. I mean, there are a plethora of things to be grateful for. But then also, I believe in the power of meditation. Just being still. Two minutes, three minutes. Build up a meditation practice. 
And the next thing that I think is to set your intentions. What do you want your day to look like? Literally imagine it. When you walk in your office, imagine how you want to feel. What do you want to accomplish? And I tell people, use the time that you have in your morning wisely. You're in the shower. If you are a believer, pray. Say affirmations. Hype yourself up. By the time I leave my house in the morning, I am so hyped that no matter what the world throws at me, I've already set my intention so clearly. I'm going to have a good day. I'm grateful. I'm going to work. I'm going to conquer this day. And so I'm so clear on what it is that I want my day to look like. And this is a daily practice. And it's interesting because the days when I don't do it, I do feel off kilter. I'm just like fluttering around, you know, like a bird without wings. So I really do set the time apart because listen, self-care, you have to put yourself first. You can't pour from an empty tank. And when you serve people from your overflow, you are better and they are better because you're giving them the best of yourself. Mm. If you can't give yourself 10 minutes in the morning just to get your mind right, I don't know what else to tell you. In 24 hours, if you can give yourself 10 minutes in the morning to one, say three new things you're grateful for, two minutes of silencing your mind, meditating, and then use the other seven minutes to literally say your affirmations and set your intentions for the day, you owe it to yourself. It's 10 minutes. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. And you just helped me some of it. I will definitely put back into practice. I've heard several people kind of share, you know, not reaching for the phone in the morning. And I kind of needed to hear that again to kind of... You know what would be fun for you to do it with your children. They will love it. Why? As you was talking, I was like, man, this is great. As long as it's not like Nigel or Layla is cool. As long as it's not Nigel waking me up in the morning. Ask them. (laughs) What are you grateful for today, Nigel? Yeah. You know, get kids, you know, start incorporating these That's practices with children. That's because healthy point. children become healthy adults. And so the habits that we form from now are the habits that we'll take on into our lives, you That's know? That's so true. Yeah. yeah. And they'll think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You've made a good point. That's something yeah. I will engage him in. Before we wrap up here, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I wanted to, first off, just encourage everyone listening to this episode to go ahead and grab a copy of Rochelle's book, One Happy Thought at a Time, 30 Days to a Happier You. I'll make sure I put the link to the book in the show notes page. Rochelle, what's a book that you have recommended or you have gifted the most to others? The Four Agreements. The Four Agreements. I love that book. I have it on my nightstand. It is bite size, easy to read, similar to my book where you pick it up and each time you read it, Mm -hmm. you learn something new. And so the second agreement is my favorite. Don't take things personally. You know what people do. It's a reflection of themselves, their own story. And that liberated me in such a way from a very young age when I first read that book, because then I didn't take on people's bad energy or their poison, you know, and I extended grace. So, okay, you're being miserable or you're saying mean words. That has nothing to do with me. That's your own experience. And I extend grace, you know? And so it causes me to just have such a very even keel, kind of laid back view about life. I don't really get worked up about much. And I'm always thinking, oh, no, no, no. I'm not taking that personally because that's not about me. Mm. Yeah. So it's one of those books. I've given it as gifts. I recommend it to all my clients. Any podcast that I've ever been asked, what's my favorite book? That is it. Short, sweet, and it gets right to the point. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Last question for you. 
What's one action that our Blaze Nation, our community, having listened to this call, what's one action they should take this week that's going to help them to blaze their trail? Start now. Start right now. You don't need to plan anything else. Start the business right now. Buy the URL on GoDaddy. You don't need to sit and write the 50-page business plan. Build the momentum. When you get small wins, it gives you the momentum to get the big wins. You don't have to figure out the entire story before you take the first step. So many of us delay our goals because of preparation, but really it's fair. You want to prepare and prepare and prepare. It will never be perfect. So the minute that you start, you will see that it will give you the momentum for the next win, the next win, the next win. And the next thing is that stop succumbing to people's opinions about your plans, about your dreams. Those are your dreams. And you are allowed to dream as big or as small as you would want to. But start on the dream today. So many people die with so much goodness inside them because they were waiting for this opportune, perfect moment when they got all the funding, all the business plans written. No, start now. So as soon as you finish listening to this, start now. I don't care what you have to do. If you have to put up a meme on Instagram saying business coming soon, buy the URL on GoDaddy. Yes. Get somebody to do the logo, register the business, do something. And every single day, do something towards your goals and your dreams. One small step at a time. Yeah. And you're deserving of living the life that you want. Because we literally have one precious life. Like, we have one chance at this. There are no do-overs. There are none. July. Once July is done, it's done. Mm. Once 2019 is done, it's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's no more time. And I think people take it for granted how short life can be. And Mm. when I think about even my thirties, they're just like gone in a matter of, yeah, a blink, you know, but I've really been very purposeful and I've been very mindful of being present and just focusing on the things that I know will make me happy and bring me joy Mm. and just cutting out the clutter. So just start now. That would be my message. Start now. Michelle, before I let you go, I know you and another one of one of your BFFs and a past guest of ours, Nicole, yes, uh, does a lot of events together. Share with us how we can stay connected to you. Tell us if you have any, you know, how we can learn more about your events and what you have happening. Yeah. So the best way to keep up with me is on social media, on yes. Rochelle Gaper on Instagram. Actually, I'm on all social media platforms as Rochelle Gaper. So I always post my events. I post my speaking engagements. I love to talk to people in my DMs. I love to encourage people. I learn as much from people messaging me as they do from me, you know, because we're all in this together. And so I learn from people every day. And so I am delighted to hear from your listeners, you know, to learn from them and to get feedback on some of the things that I've said. And I also love to be challenged because how, you know, People challenging me causes me to think outside the box and also become better. So I like to see different perspectives. Anything that I said that you feel like, oh, no, that doesn't make any sense. I want to hear that, too. I love your IG stories. I'm always like tuned in and engaged with might not respond to you all the time, but whenever I see them, I'm always like tuning in and kind of listening to your thoughts. Thank you. I really enjoy it. I appreciate it. Encourage everyone else to definitely follow you on the gram. 
Thank you so much. I enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. (laughs) You're welcome. I'm Steve Nehart, and you've been listening to the Trailblazers.fm podcast. If you're not yet doing so, consider following Trailblazers.fm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and feel free to connect with me over on LinkedIn. Whenever you're posting stories or social media posts about trailblazers.fm, be sure to use the hashtag TBPod and hashtag MissionFuel. We'll be able to see you and I'll be able to show some love. And in case you're not aware, our show notes for all our episodes can be found on our website over at tbpod.com. Now, if today was your first time listening, I just want to say big ups, enough respect for checking us out. You've made this Jamaican guy really happy that you're here with us today. And I'd love your help with keeping this black excellence flowing each and every week. So if you haven't yet subscribed, hop on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search trailblazers.fm and subscribe, rate, and review us there. Be sure to browse through some of our past episodes. There are more than 150 published episodes now. And a little something is out there for everyone to help keep the knowledge flowing. We grow when you, as part of our Blazer Nation community, shares and invites your friends and family to listen to an episode you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories are going to be moved to make significant changes that have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern. Blazer Nation, go out today and find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. <laughs>